hey everybody, it's time for Wisdom and Golf. Hello everybody. Hi everyone, thanks for tuning in. Golf's Perfect Imperfections, uh, here at Golf WRX, our home for the podcast. And uh, we love those guys, they're busy, we've had a very busy summer. And um, I just, uh, I was listening to PGA Tour Radio, um, I tend to listen a little bit then I caught an earlier show with um with Gary who used to be on the golf channel and um he had uh Dr. Raymond Pryor which I've just heard about for the first time a couple of weeks ago during when I listened to the show I had to park myself and listen to the whole thing I listened to the whole podcast for an hour and um uh, this uh Dr. Raymond Pryor is a pretty interesting guy. Um, He works with a lot of tour players, LPGA and PGA. He won't say who because he doesn't want to divulge, uh, you know, the privacy. Mm -hmm. And that's, you know, it's probably a good thing. Mm -hmm. Um, So a lot of things came to mind and I immediately bought the audio book, which is eight hours long. Whoa. And in uh, <laughs> in glimpses of, you know, in between lessons and early mornings, because I'm a very early morning person, I've been going at the book for, you know, stints of about an hour at a time. And I've succeeded to complete it. So I made a first run. And it is phenomenal. It is really, really solid. And it's probably the best book on sports psychology that has been out here so far. And it screams wisdom in golf. It screams what we've been teaching for the last at least 15 years, Mm -hmm. task-based. And uh, like he goes into detail as to, well, here, this is how your brain works. So you got your lizard brain, and that's your, your basic, you know, uh, straight, straight to the to the spine, you know, uh, fear-based survival at its purest. And then you've got your limbic brain that sits on top of that, which is for emotions and memory <clears throat> that continue to allow you to help you survive. And so dogs and, you know, squirrels, and they, they need to remember where they stash the nuts and you get, everybody gets a, a hit of dopamine when they're able to, find their stuff. So understanding how dopamine is the reward-based system for that brain. And then comes the human being with the neocortex, which is, so imagine your your primitive brain, uh, the two primitive brains, the two old brains as your fist, and then you take your hand and you cover your fist, there's your neocortex. And that's the one that reasons and, um, and allows you to, you know, think things through. Mm-hmm. The problem with that brain is it's way slower than the other two. And the other two come online much, much faster to make sure you stay another day on this planet. So it's all about survival first. Mm-hmm. Then he goes on to say that, hey, that brain of yours doesn't know the difference between 
real and perceived. Yeah. That's a major problem. Mm -hmm. So you're standing on the tee box and you're really nervous about your tee shot. That nervousness churns a story in your head and you go, wow, everybody's watching me right now. I better put this ball in play. Mm -hmm. I have to put this ball in play, right? Can you feel the anxiety already building? So then the anxiety hits you and knocks your neocortex offline. Boop. It's gone. Yeah. Then it's fight, flight, or freeze. There's a freeze that's been missing. Mm-hmm. You know, we talk about fight or flight. The freeze is just as, as much of a problem, right? Mm-hmm. So you freeze and the, you know, that you don't move so that you let that bear walk by and hopefully you're, uh, upwind from that thing or downwind from it. You know what I mean? So when you freeze, you constrict, you can't swing anymore and disaster happens. And then it's a self-fulfilling prophecy after that, right? Mm-hmm. You go, see, I told you we were going to mess up. Yeah. <clears throat> so this is the loop that so many golfers get into tour players alike. Um, because everybody's fearful about something. And so he brings some really concrete, um, very easily um, uh, uh, applicable solutions. So that's where they talk about mindfulness. That's why it's such a billion, it's a big billion dollar industry, mindfulness. And uh, learning how to connect your breathing and using breathing to ground yourself. And he says, it's okay. You got you to gotta sit in your pile of dung mm-hmm. and be uncomfortable. Yeah. Right? It's okay to be uncomfortable. As long as your conscious mind is still going so that it can, you know, you can reason through and give yourself your best chance. And, and that's basically what they, what they talk about. <clears throat> So, um, you know, we talk, they, they talk about habits and, you know, the, the, the way that, um, you know, they do uh, some, some really good uh, concrete examples of, you know, there's a trigger, uh, a hole that is very difficult, very tight, mm-hmm. and you're thinking, man, I, you know, I'm always bogeying this hole or double bogeying. It's my nemesis hole, right? So you yeah. get to your nemesis hole. And you go, oh, man, this is uh, a dread. Yeah. <clears throat> so you get your trigger. And the behavior is brain goes offline. And then, you know, you, you go through the, that, uh, the motions of that anxiety. Yeah. And then you feel you need to do something about it. So the reward, he talks about the reward as you going to the range afterwards and binge practicing, trying to get your confidence back so that you can overcome this in the future. And he says, yeah, if your practice session went well, you have uh, some confidence that you get out of it, but it's very fleeting. It's very delicate confidence. It's not a confidence that you can bank on and rely on. So they talk about the different levels of confidence while you're doing that. So 
there's your your little loop, right? So you go practice, get your confidence, come back, get anxiety again, lose it, and then you realize you got to practice some more. But every time you you drop that brain offline, then the crap stuff is going to happen. So he says you got to take care of the psychology first, and understand you know how you're going to get rid of that fear-based emotion and um and so he uses you know some nice exercises in mindfulness and, and what we do at wisdom and golf is task so when you get really good at a task it becomes very automated so you look at a, somebody at a fish market who prepares fish and cuts fillets of fish all day well you know even if somebody's watching him with a microscope he's it's not going to affect him he just goes into automatic but if the way that you go about your technique, and he talks about this big time, he says way too many people are so focused on their defective body parts. They're going, I'm, you know, I didn't swing well because something was defective. Now I got to go out and practice that and make sure that all these body parts are in position. And it is, that's when you hear the word grind, right? That's, grinding's not fun. Absolutely not. Grinding sucks. So how do you get to that free-flowing state? Because he, sa- he talks about the more you constrict, the worse it gets. The more you open up, the more free-flowing you are, the better it gets. So <clears throat> the basic teaching that's out there right now that is based on your defective, and you better get your act together and make sure that you get your ducks in a row, and boy, they got a freaking flock of ducks to get in the row, right? Mm-hmm. Be careful, watch out, make sure. So you're standing, you know, let's say you're on that tee box in a long drive competition move. Mm-hmm. What is it that you keep going back to? What What is it that secures and grounds you? Um, just taking it slow. You know, just what grounds me is, you know, uh, you know, going on a slow swing, like using momentum um, to deliver to the target. And I'm not trying to bust it out. The mindset is just not trying to bust it out 380 right off the bat, right? right? It's just like you got to sell it in. Like you say, you got to find that flow state. That's it. So for me, what I find to get to that flow state is just getting, you know, one shot on the grid. Yeah. Make it feel easy. And then... Once you get a rhythm with what the body wants to do or what the conditions are, yep. you kind of get a general sense of how the swing's feeling, but also how you're staying with your target. You're in reaction mode. Yeah, I'm in reaction mode, so I'm reacting to the picture. That's it. So I set a plan out, and then if my plan out doesn't go as much based off, you know, say the face was slightly closed or I just rushed the swing, I just got ahead of it, I just like, all right, just slow down even more, right? So it's usually those little small adjustments yeah. that, that give me – and just seeing what the ball's doing also gives me enough input to adjust the swing based off what's re- what I'm seeing live. Yeah. Yeah. And it's it's pretty funny that it's like I have the complete opposite reactions now where hey, I, I need to I'd like to bust one out there. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. And uh, while I'm on that subject, the language that he uses, Sav, you're going to really appreciate this. <clears throat> Later on in the book, they're talking about the words that you want to use versus the words 
that you want to avoid, right? So words not to use, must, have to, make sure, I need to do well, right? Versus I want to, would really like it if, wouldn't it, it would be great if I could hit the fairway right now, right? So my goal is to hit the fairway. Wouldn't it be great if I could hit the fairway? Versus, man, I really have to hit this fairway if I'm going to get to the green in two and blah, 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 yeah. right? So did you feel the difference? Like I feel the difference when I say, you know, I would love it if I could hit the fairway right now mm-hmm. versus, man, everybody's watching me. I got to hit this fairway. Mm-hmm. It is like mm-hmm. night and day on, you know? So the um, the evolution of the human being, it's first lizard brain, then limbic brain, which basically every mammal has, and then the neocortex, and that came in much later. And so how do we, you know, and that's where they say pessimism is like uh, for every one a uh, uh, negative thing, you need five positive things to, to offset it because yeah. the negative stuff really... It's, it's a slippery slope. It's a slippery slope. Exactly. Yeah. So the reason why so many people are pessimistic is that's instinctive. And it's instinctive because that's what we needed to do a thousand years ago to survive. You needed to be pessimistic. You go, hey, is that a bush or a lion head? Mm-hmm. Well, I'm going to go for the lion head because if I'm wrong once, it's over. Right? Yeah. Whereas if you're wrong once on a tee box, well, shoot, you, you get to live to see another golf swing. Yeah. Take a drop, whatever, you know, okay, next golf swing, next golf swing. So you're always, you're going to see the next day, most probably. Yep. And you'll see the next golf swing and you'll get to get a hit, hit another golf shot. So it really, you know, being able to put all this in, into perspective in a very constructive, positive way, we need those tools. And he talks about, you know, what's helpful in psychology and what really isn't. And there's, uh, there's been a lot of, you know, he uses a lot of, uh, and that's why he doesn't name names. So he has an example with one of his particular students where a previous golf psychologist told him, well, just think about your favorite number before you hit your next golf shot. So think about that for a second. Yeah, the, oh, my favorite number is number two, and that gives you the warm and fuzzies because maybe you won a bet a few times or that number's been on your back in high school and you were really good at, you know, three-point three throws in high school, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And then you think about your warm and fuzzy number two, and then you stand over the tee box and you still go, well, shoot, I still have to hit this fairway. But I'm going to think about number two. Yeah, yeah but I had, so now he says that's way more of a distraction. Yeah, because it's an internal focus. Exactly. So then now you're adding another layer of anxiety. Mm-hmm. So you, you have a problem and you go, okay, I got to fix that problem. And you got to, what do I need to think about to fix that problem? Okay, I got to think about my number. <laughs> yeah. And he says that, that surface psychology doesn't work. And it's, um, and it's 
he talks about it very pervasively. It's, uh, and he uses some really good examples, <laughs> you know? So technique's not going to help you. Binge practice is not going to help you get more confidence. And that's what you see a lot on the PGA Tour. Everybody is grinding away and ho- they hope to find a golf swing that they can, you know, they can be confident with. And then they go for a ride. Then they go into the zone. They win a tournament. But then it's kind of fleeting, right? Because you could win a tournament one week and not make the cut the next week. Why is that? Well, expectations. If it's your first win or if you want a major, or, you know, it's like, okay, now I, I really have to perform. One of my examples is Jeff Sluman. Jeff Sluman, little guy, is about five foot four, really solid golf swing, amazing golfer. In his, his first year, I think it was a rookie or second year, he wins the PGA Championship. Then for the next 10 years after that, wins nothing. So it's like a flash in the pan, right? It's all expectations. Hey, I'm the PGA champion. I must perform like this. And then at age 39 to age 44, he wins six times. And on a sixth win, they were, he's, Jeff Sluman, what's going on, man? You went, you're basically winning every year right now, making a lot of top tens and top fives. What gives? He says, I now know what I can't do. In other words, I'm not going to put pressure on myself to create shots to satisfy others' mm-hmm. expectations of me. Yeah. yeah. Here's the middle finger. Now I'm just going to hit the shots that I know I'm capable of. I'm going to put those together and let's see what happens. So he went into another completely different mindset. It's the see what happens, the being mindset being instead of the doing mindset. So he talks about the doing and the, and the being mindset. So doing is I got a problem. I got to do something about it. And it's like, it's a never ending loop of anxiety versus take a breath chill, right? Learn how to properly ground yourself and just focus on your breath. Meaning, Hey, I'm breathing. I'm breathing through my nostrils. And then you, you, he shows you how to do body scans. You ever do body scans? No. So when, you know, let's say you're lying in bed and you do a body scan. I always fall asleep halfway through my body. Mm -hmm. Right. So you start with the feet, the toes, and you, you, you're aware of your toes and then your feet. And then you go through the ankles and the shins and the knees and, the, you know, your, your quads and then through the hips. And by then I'm falling asleep. And then if you continue, you know, you just go all the way up to your head. And every time you take a breath, you switch to the next one and just be aware what's going on. You know, hey, what's going on? And I'm, I'm typically very thankful after that because I'm going, hey, I'm pretty healthy. You know, I'm, I'm feeling pretty good. I may have a couple of aches and pains that come back once in a while because I'm 58. But I'm very thankful for the capacity that my body has. And I, it puts me right to sleep and I never have to worry about it. If I wake up in the middle of the night and I start thinking about my next day and my, my mind starts to race, I go back to the body scan. And so it's a, really, it's a really cool way to go about things. And it once you're grounded and the anxiety goes away, then you can, you know, just get, get back to business. Mm-hmm. So the breathing is, you know, do you use the breathing moo and 
in when you're in competition? Yeah, just to allow more oxygen to pass through my brain and you know whole body, so I can actually move a lot slower. Because like if I'm you know stressed out, like you said, like you're yeah. tense. You, you tend to breathe shallow, right? Yeah, you tend to breathe shallow, and you're breathing out of your mouth rather than through your nose, mm. you know, which is you know, not the ideal situation for an athlete. So if you're breathing through your mouth, you're not really optimizing your you know, your body's ability to function. Also, you're not thinking clearly. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, breathing is something that I've noticed this year has helped a lot in, after my event in Denver. Yes. Yeah, because in Denver, I wasn't breathing correctly. I was, you know, in a very odd state. Um, it was more anxious than normal that i'm used yeah, to yeah um but yeah it was a very weird turn of events but then after that i realized like like you said expectations yeah i wasn't swinging within myself i was trying to do something that i didn't train for yeah you know so um after that corrected that so my training sessions i improved that incorporated the breathing to allow myself to be clear with the plan staying within the windows um and then try not to force the speed because the speed's there, you know. It's just yeah. like it always comes in waves, you know, ups and flows. And then from there, it's been uh, pretty uh, productive. I, I was uh, actually surprised myself, you know, because when you're doing videos, you want to perform really, you know, you want to perform well and, yeah. and sh- you know, sure. put on a good show for everybody. Mm-hmm. And um, I went to, you know, I started my routine and I started hitting drives and, you know, I... I got to, you know, the point where I'm just warming up and I'm getting ready to turn the camera on and I hit a couple of hooks and I have, I don't hook anymore. Yeah. And I'm going, wait a second, mm-hmm. where does that string come from? Right. Yeah. yeah. And it, and, and I'm, I'm getting ready to perform. Mm-hmm. I'm going, no, 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 no. Mm-hmm. None of that stuff. So we're going to go ridiculously easy that way. And I uncorked like 297 carry, mm-hmm. 296 carry, 330, and my ball speed was at 160, and it felt like I wasn't doing anything. And you watch that swing on video. The video always makes it look uh, slower. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. It looked ridiculously slow. Yeah. I'm going, like I, I'm just, it looks like I'm going to hit it 225. Right. And I'm bombing it. Like mm-hmm. I looked at the ball, I'm going, oh, man. I wish you guys could see that ball. Yeah, that's true. It's tough to. It's unbelievable. Yeah, yeah it is. So that's yeah. that's that's where you need to be in the long drive barn. This it's without a doubt. Yeah, that's where. Yeah, you, because it's you, the kinetic chain that we need, and that's where you know between us and what he's talking about. You know, is the brain is self-preserving. It's seeking the path of least resistance. Right. It knows the efficiency is lies within that. That's right. And it's that's the gift that we get with this machine. I yeah. mean, it's unbelievably beautiful. So I'm sitting there going ridiculously easy in my task. There's my T. Flick it that way, la di da. Right. Yeah. Full range of motion. And I could just feel my kinetic chain kicking in, and I'm looking at, and I'm doing a little slow motion. I, I just posted the video today, mm-hmm. right? We we just posted the video today, mm-hmm. and I'm in awe of my swing, <laughs> mm-hmm. right? Yeah, you look free. Yeah, yeah. it's free flowing, mm-hmm. full range, and and it, there's no constrictions whatsoever. They're yeah, reacting to your uh, your flight plan. That's it. 
Exactly. And, and the glue that holds it all together is the direction that you're sending your momentum. For sure. It's the and, anchor, yeah. Right? Yeah. And you, you understand because you have that reference, yeah. meaning the moo shuffle. Yeah, the moo shuffle. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. They call it the moo shuffle. It's, you know, it's not the Sean Clement shuffle. It is the moo shuffle, <laughs> right? Because you do it so well. Yeah. And oh, the moose gooch. The moose gooch. The moose gooch. There we go. Sorry. <laughs> the moose gooch. <laughs> we can call it the Sean Clement shuffle. <laughs> that works too. The moose gooch is cooler though. No, it's cooler. Yeah. And so you you perform your practice swing, you get your reference, you scooch it into the ball, and you go, hey, I feel good. Mm-hmm. All I got to do is just direct this momentum that way. And you know something's good's going to come out of it. Yeah. How good is it going to be? I don't know. Let's find out. And of course, you know, when you got six chances, you're willing to accept the consequences. Yeah. And you feel confident that you'll find something. Let's see what that is. And it was really cool to see you find that something in Connecticut and get into the top 32. Yeah, it was. That was like. And and it it was even cooler as Martin Borgmeier came up and said, "How did you do that?" Yeah, because three ninety four. I've been I've been and the, everybody was at three seventy. Yeah, the grid was pretty all. It was pretty much all carry. Yeah, so yeah, it was. yeah. So you got like the second longest of the morning. Yeah, that was pretty pretty cool. And um, yeah, it was just an awesome awesome moment for That's everyone. It. You got you say you got to learn the moose scooch there, Martin. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, so there's you know. In a nutshell, um, you know, that state of mind is, and, and this is something that, you know, we'll end with this particular part of it. He talks about being in a mindset of curiosity. Be curious, right? And this is where the research that we've done really will complement his findings. And the findings of, remember that one foot putt, mm-hmm. you can't repeat it. You can't repeat it from the brain out. Therefore, you can't make sure. What's your best chance? Well, we know that to activate the human kinetic chain, we need something out there as a target. And we can't have the ball become the target. So we have that prediction process that puts the ball in the way of our action to the target. And then when we really get good with that and it becomes part of our DNA, then every time you throw through that arc blur into the picture, you'll always have an engaged kinetic chain, which means you'll have a weight shift, you'll have a body clearing, and everything will get pulled through into that picture, which means you're going to have a decent golf swing. So now that you know you're going to have a decent golf swing, aren't you curious? Like, I'm always curious now. Mm-hmm. I'm not dealing with make sure. Make sure. There's no curiosity in make sure. I got to make sure. And everybody's thinking, well, if I'm in the perfect position, I'll have the perfect golf swing. If I have the perfect golf swing, I'll have the perfect golf shot. It just doesn't, that doesn't exist. Right? So you can't make sure of anything. So now you're just going to deliver out there and you're curious about it. And that's what keeps the brain online. So I love this book because it massively confirms that we're on the right track and that what we're doing is proper 
and it, and it jives with the machine and the wiring of the machine. And I, I'm, I'm hoping that we can get together. Um, dive into some subjects. And dive into some really nice subjects with Dr. Pryor mm. and do a couple of, you know, well put together podcasts. Yeah, be nice to do some series, you yeah. know, so, episodes that would uh, accommodate the regular golfer and help them, you know, plan, absolutely. Out, plan out their seasons or plan out their club champion. Yeah. Yeah. So what do you think, Sav? Uh, I love it. Yeah, you know, there's um, there's a huge section in the book uh, that relates to, and we've always, um, we've always been. Uh, all of us have gone through this. Whereas you're thinking about what other people are going to think about you, mm-hmm. and that is innate because of our social nature. Because we need to socialize with others to survive. That's part of our DNA. And in order to, you know, present ourselves to people, what they think of us is really important because it means whether or not they want to hang out with us and be with us. So that is, you know, there's a little bit of a fabric in there, a pretty significant one. And it always puts us on guard for that. And that's a major part of that anxiousness. So just understanding that and then putting it into context and going, hey, you know, this, this is the, the, um, the question that I wanted to, uh, to put to you, Sav, which you'll, you'll really like this. Um, the okay, so we got the curiosity part. Ah, I can, bear with me; I'm just going through my notes right now. Um, priority, no matter what. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. So, um, would you feel like you know if you if you think about when other people think about you, is that more important? than what you think about yourself. No. Right? And the perfect world. And 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 <laughs> yeah, exactly. And when somebody when you think about what somebody's thinking about you, if they tell you this is what I thought, does it mean it's the truth? Mm. Right? And then so he has a, a really cool way of reasoning that and then there's a there's a process in there in the book on how to uh, discredit that thinking process to put your brain back online and go, well, screw this. I'm just going to hit the shot. Mm -hmm. Let's see what happens. Yeah. So the, let's see what happens is a huge part of the book. Yeah. The, um, the, what people think of you applies both in golf, but also in just like daily life. Mm -hmm. Like example that's outside of golf was, you know, Moo and I are, doing little renos on our house and um when i try to communicate with uh people at home depot for things like that and you know you always get the oh you don't know what you're talking about kind of thing like the condescending answers to your questions and i'm the kind of person who like i take pride in being as educated as possible Mm -hmm. 
when it comes to things. Like, I like to prepare ahead of time. Like, I'll always do my own research yeah. before, like, I go out and get something or whatever. And if I need clarification, then I'm, like, willing to ask for help because I know that I don't know everything, obviously. That's part of, that's part that's of part being of human. life. Yeah. And then... It's, it's a whole team. It's a village. Yeah. And then when you when you do all that prep and you try to be responsible and you, you know, be vulnerable and ask for somebody's expertise. Yeah. And you get a condescending answer back. Like Mm. that is the shittiest feeling. Pardon me. But like, and that's what happens like with yourself too. Right. Like it's an internal self dialogue that sometimes you can have like a negative self talk. Yeah. Right. So it applies both in social situations, but as well as like, know that little internal dialogue that can get negative yeah like could you please just hit this fairway for once yeah <laughs> right yeah. yeah you moron yeah, yeah. right so you it's like suck. yeah <laughs> so it's like if if being in a social sh- situation like that and being spoken to a certain way makes you feel that crappy then why would you do that to yourself yeah Right. But that's also easier said than done because we're all our own worst critics at the end of the day. But it's when you're scared, you get mad. Mm-hmm. And the first person that's there is you. So you're going to get mad at yourself. I tend to not get mad right away. I like just it's like I, I curl up into a ball and want to like hide. You freeze. Yeah, exactly. That's the so that's when you're. Your neocortex falls offline. It's like, bloop. Yeah. It's like, you just want to curl up. Can this please be over? Yeah. I want to go home. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And that's the discomfort. Mm-hmm. So that he's talking about. And he says, okay, now that you're uncomfortable, what are you going to do about it? Oh, wait a second. Let me take a couple of breaths. Yeah. Let's reason this out. Right? Let's bring the neocortex back online. Mm-hmm. Let's reason this out. Yeah. Okay. And now let's hit the shot. And then... Because if you're a student of wisdom in golf, executing the shot, if you're a veteran of wisdom in golf, you know exactly what to do. Mm-hmm. And um, and you're not looking for make sures and be carefuls. Yeah. And that's what we want ultimately for all of our students and all of our golfers because it's it's the best way to play. Yeah. It's like I find my swing every single day. There is no slump. Yeah. Because it's just a, a simple task. And everybody's so afraid. I mean, Hogan was afraid for years of losing his swing. Yeah. George Knudsen, he was like petrified. Like he, you know, abused alcohol to the point where he died at age 49 because he was so afraid of losing his swing. But then you look at his swing, you go, what are you talking about? Right. That thing is like beautiful. But that's that little cycle because you miss a shot and you go, oh, my God, is this the day where I lose my crap? Yeah. Right? Yeah. But I think knowing the psychology behind all of this stuff yeah. kind of allows you to benefit from those experiences because you're always going to be experiencing something new. Yep. And everything's not going to go perfectly, but every time you experience that you know, difficulty, that, that challenge, whatever it yep. is, and you have this mindset behind you, well, then now you can move forward in the right direction. Yes. And but, you overcome the situation. Mm-hmm. 
and you overcome it again and you overcome it again and then you go, hey, I got this. Yeah, yeah it's, a, it's a debate between whether if you have a fixed mindset or a growth mindset. Yeah, 100%. Section in the book on that. Oh, really? Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> and that's that's a, a very important uh, so, part of psychology. So this goes and ties with the curiosity Having a curiosity yeah, yeah. approach to you. Actually, that was that was part of the one of the last chapters in the book. Um, those were the last notes: growth mindset versus fixed mindset. So your fixed mindset is you're looking for ease and comfort, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So you're testing your skills in competition. You're uncomfortable, then you, you know because there's a possibility of you being exposed. Right. So you know you got your you know you feel like you have talent. And mm-hmm. you, you feel like I don't have to work on this because I got talent, and that that talent will take a certain a certain threshold, level, yeah. a threshold. Yeah, and then you meet up with people who are um, as talented as you, and then whoops, the cracks, mm-hmm. right? Whereas the growth mindset is priority is to is to progress no matter what. Yeah, yeah. and right? that comes with like removing ego, exactly from the equation, right? That's right. That's right. Because I mean, ego is such a a natural human trait, right? Yeah. But if your ego gets in the way of you being able to grow and to learn, well, then you're setting yourself up for disaster. And that's, and that's where, you know, the, the fixed mindset, they don't want pain. They don't want discomfort. They, I just want it the way it is. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, that's something that, so me being an anxious person, just in general, I've, like, done my own research on, like, how to manage it and things like that. And one cool thing is there's, like, a saying that says, like, don't be afraid of the anxiety. Mm -hmm. Invite it because you know that it can't harm you. Right. Yeah. Like, it's just a... And and exactly, because if if you're afraid, imagine you double down on, on fear, because you get anxious and you go, oh, no, here it is again. Yeah. Oh, please, you know, and then you're afraid of your anxiety. Yeah. yeah. I was afraid of my anxiety for a long time. And when I, you know, did my own research and I kind of looked at it in a different perspective, it was like, okay, well, I eventually get over it all the time. So why am I being afraid of it? Like being afraid of it will fuel That's right. its comeback. That's right. Right, so if you can just like let it be, that's it. And if it comes, it comes. If it doesn't, it doesn't. You just move on with your life. Exactly. Yeah. That's and he talks about that in the book as well. Yeah. Very very good. Well, we hope uh, we've enticed you enough. This is like, hey, Sean, do you recommend any books? There it is. Mm-hmm. That's a book I recommend. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, and then and let them know I recommended this. <laughs> you know. <laughs> Give us, give us some, uh, some brownie points. And, um, and I think, uh, I think you'll appreciate it and you'll see like not everything is bulletproof. Mm-hmm. You will see some cracks, but the, I would say a, a solid 80% of this book is spot on. Yeah. And I really, really enjoyed it. And, uh, the 20% that's missing is filled by wisdom and golf. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so between him and wisdom and golf, we got, uh, we've got an incredible recipe. So, um, so off we go, uh, enjoy your week, everybody. Hope you, uh, hope this conversation brought something, uh, constructive to you and confirmed a couple of things. And, uh, 
we've uh, we've got some some pretty cool guests in the pipeline coming up so looking forward to the to the next couple of uh of podcasts yeah, and we got a big announcement coming in october um once we get to vegas there'll be some big news there with catalyst oh yes stay tuned mm. catalyst yeah. absolutely very good talk soon all right all, all the best, best. Yeah. Jinx. Yeah. Yeah.